pasa la juca si no lo guarda con esa. Y el pum 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 Good evening and welcome to another episode of the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Uh, not much in the way of news tonight um, outside of really San Antonio FC. Uh, we talked about, you know, getting into uh, a little bit of a report card and kind of a breakdown we'll, where we want to get into a, a little bit more detail as far as the performances so far with the uh, school year and, and everything. But um, obviously we'll be getting into some more college soccer like we had discussed on the last episode with UTSA's upcoming matchup versus Sam Marcos uh, here uh, in a couple weeks. Um, but for right now, let's uh, let's just jump straight into the, the game. I, I know everybody's eager to discuss it and uh, start to uh, kind of vent and uh, hopefully begin the healing process. But uh, Harry, let's start with you, man. I think everybody knows kind of what went down, obviously, uh, Saturday evening by now. Um, what were your thoughts from the match? Um, to be honest with you, it's it's probably the toughest loss. And I know it's not a loss, it's a tie, but it feels like a loss that for SAFC that I, that I, that I think I've ever had. It's just, you're up 2-0, everything's going great. And in a matter of what, 10 minutes, you're tied and that's it. And, you know, you know there's, you're up a man, you're at home shouldn't happen you know i i know we talked in chat of the defense and outside of the starters it shows mm-hmm. you, you know when 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 moses hernandez came out that that's when trouble hit and you kind of got a little bit worried there when you saw Boosie come in. Uh, in my opinion, you know, he looked a little lost. We hadn't really seen too many minutes of him, especially here recently. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, so far back line had been pretty solid. I know we saw a little bit of him earlier on in the year, but as of late, you know, we really hadn't seen him in the lineup very much. And uh, he looked a little lost to me out there, Rafa. What did you think of uh, his performance uh, Saturday night? Yeah, he, he was basically out of position when he went in. He just didn't know where to be at. You know, he's not a holding mid, and that's that's kind of surprised me that, you know, they stuck him in there. You know, if you're going to put him in there, put him in his natural position, which would be, on the, you know, back four. I think that's what they should have done. Let's play, play in the back four. But... You know that's tactical errors that we shouldn't be you know doing, especially up to nothing. And I, I honestly think Moses could have done the whole ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still looked fresh. He didn't look tired, unless he asked for the sub. You know, and I understand that, but I think he could have stuck around a little bit more, kind of five more minutes or six, or maybe ten more minutes. And I think we probably would have pulled off maybe two one or even two zero. But RGV wasn't really pressing at that point. It's it's when he came out is when the game changed. And and I understand he's coming back from an injury. It's probably a minute watch. And I know you got to be careful because he's a lone E. But it just, I I don't know how, how, I don't know how you put this not on Coach Powell. 
Yeah, and I know the game kind of got off to uh, an odd start because mm-hmm. Pekka was in the starting lineup, and you know Hernandez went in um, for him. So you know, I'm assuming Pekka picked up a knock, and he mm-hmm. wasn't even on the bench. Um, but Pekka was warming up. But you also saw what what I thought was odd is because uh, the UTSA women's soccer team was over in the beer gardens. So me and AJ went over and watched. You know, normally you had the starters, but Hernandez was in there with Pekka. So it seemed like it was kind of, hey, we're going to see if we can roll with Pekka. And then, you know, unfortunately, he just wasn't able to go. But it just, this one hurts. Uh, You know, I don't, you know, you know, know, I don't know what other way to, to put it is. You had total control of the game. Things were going your way. Um, you make one substitution, and, and, and me and Rafa had kind of discussed um, in the match, you know, because, you know, Mo was playing with the holding mid, right, instead of LaHood. Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't you put, you know, LaHood more up there and put, you know, Hernandez, you know, more back, you know, on, on the wing? Um, and I think when, you know, Abusi came in, he just basically filled the spot and, and they didn't switch. And, you know, you know, I don't know if that's tactical on the players, just not rotating, or if, if that's, you know, on, on, on the staff. Well, one, thing, one thing, I was going to say, one thing I also noticed when we were watching the game is we really stink it up on defense on set pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't got no height. That's, that's what the, I was about to say. We don't have any size. And so I don't know if that was the Abusi. You know, I mean, that's the only thing you can think of for the guy is he, he's got the height. You know, I mean, he's, he's probably at least a few inches taller than anybody else on their roster, at least in the lineup. But that's the only advantage you know, you really saw. Now, now the Billy swap, I thought, was kind of an even swap. I didn't have really any issues with that. But why no formation change to like a 4-5-1 or something like that when you know you've got to pull Mo out of the game, you're already up two goals, you're already entering into the 70th minute or whatever it was, you know, around that point. I mean, you, that we, we dog pal for, for parking the bus when they're one goal up and it's the 45th minute or the 40th minute, you know, and they try and just sit there and park it for the whole half. You can't do that. But when you know you're up a man and you know you're putting a Boosie in there and you're having to pull Hernandez and you don't have your strongest defensive unit out there on the field, why wouldn't you transfer to more of a defensive formation versus leaving three back there? And that was the other piece of it that I think tactically didn't make any sense to me from a coach's perspective. It wasn't just the subs. It was the formation as well. Actually, RGV, I kind of now looking back on the game, they actually pushed up to a three-man front, even though they were down on man. Mm-hmm. I think they basically went to like a three-three-three formation, um, and and that basically covered all the space for a three-man defense. So that left that that last goal, you know, mm-hmm. Acom being falling asleep on that play, mm-hmm. which you didn't have. You know, if they're going to play three up front, let's counter that with four, like a flat back four, counter that with zone defense. You know, we could have played, like I said, a four, five, one or, or four, four, two, you know, have LaHood as, as the holy mid and, you know, move out the Boosie out on the outside defense. But I think it's still those tactical errors cost us. You know, we'd probably be already, we should be in fifth place. Oh, we should be on the top. I think, I think you would have probably. Well, I think with the result, you probably would have been, you know, seven, yeah. eight. But yeah, now we're twelfth. 
and we're back out looking and we, and we got to climb up and that's the problem with how tight it is. And, and then you got New Mexico coming up, which um, they kind of are on the other side of, of, of a result here where they were up a man against uh, Las Dos and, and ended up in a tie um, as well. So, uh, you know, I'm assuming they're probably going to be feeling a little bit salty as well, uh, you know, about last week's uh, results. But to me, like I said here is, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to put into words how I feel without being super negative on the team. Um, you know, like I said here, I know probably my Twitter reactions toward them has been slightly negative, slightly harsher than, than what it should be. But it's it just that this one hurts. It's 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 one that, you know, like I said here, you had for the taking. We needed the points and, you know, I think everybody to a man thinks it's a loss, but it, you know, we ended up getting one point, but you know, just on how it is, we lost two points on, on this match. And, you know, you got to wonder where they're going to make up those points that, you know, cause there's what nine games, 10 games left. You know, it's, you know, these lost points are what happened last year. You know, you, you know, you, you go to Tulsa, you get a draw or, you, you know, you lose, you know, but we Tulsa last year we had one point I think. Mm-hmm. RGV this year we got one point, a loss and, and, and a tie at home. That's unacceptable. Um, Coach Powell this year, you know, yeah, he went two and zero against uh, you know, or yeah, two and zero against uh, El Paso. Uh, lost two out of three against uh, Austin, and basically went uh, you know zero for the season against RGV. I know you got a tie, but there's no three points in there. I think this one. I think this one hurts Coach Powell when it comes to the end of year review, just because it's it is a rivalry game, and how they lost as a team. And this may be more of a question for you guys, as a, as a, as a team, how hard is it to pick it up knowing that knowing you left points on and, and how they lost with, you know, the Ibusi on goal, um, you know, and, and you know the set piece, which if memory if memory serves me right. It was off of you know errors by the back you know by the back line again that set up the corner. Um, so really, you could say San Antonio set up really both goals for RGV by mm-hmm. by poor play. Well, and Dennis brings up a great point, and I, I think you know to to your point as well. It it's a bigger issue, and uh, you know Dennis mentions there on our Facebook live uh, we gave up three set piece goals: uh, the one against Sacramento. And uh, then the one or two against Sacramento and the one on Saturday, uh, you know, the guys just don't mark closely enough. And that's been one of the common issues where inside the box, other teams have really been dangerous because we don't mark very closely. And it seems like there's a lot of communication errors just based upon, you know, kind of how the guys react after the goals and stuff as far as who's supposed to mark in, in different situations and things like that. And, you know, if you're not on the same page with who's marking who, you're not going to be able to defend against set pieces like that, you know, especially where you don't have the height or anything like that or the, the advantage where you can just kind of defend the space and put that guy right there in the middle of the box that's just going to head it out like you kind of had did it or, you know, even Sip was pretty good at just defending space, you know, and <clears throat> we haven't seen that from San Antonio FC defensively at all this year. That's been our Achilles heel. As, as set pieces, if you notice all season long, it's been that. And I don't know what they're doing to fix that problem. You know, do they work on that? You know, that that should not be happening this late in the season. 
I can understand the early season since they're learning to play with each other, but we're already 12, 13 games in. You know, they should have somebody a chemistry note of who to mark who on, on the set piece or corner kick. Like I said, this one did hurt. And you know, what what plan do we have ahead of going against New Mexico? You know, to see what, you know, is Pekka going to be back or are we going to play with a format for flat back four defense? You know, th- that's a lot of questions. Like I said, the Paul's going to have to respond. This, you know, we do need to get these three points before we hit the road. Well, and to Harry's point, kind of, you know, you, you phrased the question and I didn't really answer it about, you know, as a team, how do you react after a loss like this? Because you definitely feel like it was a gut punch for them as well. At least you hope it was as a fan, right, that they felt it as much as we did, if not at least hopefully a little bit more. Um, and I know I kind of commented uh, on it after the game, and, and I'm not the biggest uh, LaHood fan. I've been kind of critical more of his play than anything he's done off the pitch. I'm not saying I'm not a LaHood fan like as who he is as a person or whatever. I think he's done some great things here in San Antonio, obviously, in the community with getting involved and being the captain and kind of the face of San Antonio FC this season. But his performance on the pitch, I, I haven't always you know, been sold on. And uh, I know after the match when he was kind of asked about the play – you know, you kind of heard Pal, the the typical, we got to move on to the next one. There's more soccer to play, you know, that you, you kind of hear like the Jason Garrett, um, so to speak, approach. But uh, you heard LaHood after the match talking about, you know, we're kind of running out of this whole lessons learned thing. And um, it would have been real easy for him to just kind of use that as a scapegoat of, well, it's lessons learned and, you know, we're going to move on to the next match and we're going to grow from this one. And well, what are you really learning at this point in the season? You don't really want to be learning lessons at this point in the season, you mm-hmm. know? So I, I thought that was pretty big of him to step up and at least own that. And hopefully it at least it just felt real genuine from him uh, in that interview after the match. So for whatever that's worth, we'll see well, how I, they rebound against I, New Mexico. I think that's the big difference this year than last year's. We do have some leadership. Um, you know, last year you didn't hear that. Last year, it was all, you know, the standard, hey, we're going to do better. Um, you know, we dropped the ball, blah, blah, blah. But there was no accountability, you know, you know, like, you know, like he has. So I think with LaHood and, and Pekka, you know, I think for as far as captains here, I think you got that leadership, you know, uh, you know, on there. And they, they've got to make this push, you know, and, and I know. I, you know, I, I know I'm, you know, all down today. And, and technically speaking, they're three points out of six, you know, but that's the problem is, is, you know, between 12th and six, there's six teams that are separated by three points. And then even if you go up to the bold, it's five points. That's those two points, especially as close as we are, you can't, you, that's the issue. You can't be dropping points like this. And, and that, and that's where you know that's where you maybe you know if you do make the playoffs you're you know ninth tenth and you're playing on the road as opposed to fifth or sixth that's what's going to happen that this year. Fourth spot, especially if you're going after that, you know. Hell, I'd be happy just to be in the top six. <laughs> well, you know where you're not having to play the playing game, but. And, and, and to your point, Harry, so the issue isn't the points. The issue isn't, you know, like last year when we kind of started to get to this this point in the season, it was only like a, almost a mathematical equation where it was like, hey, the season's pretty much starting to get, what was it, almost over at like nine games left, if I want to say last year. Yeah. They were, they were, they were the basically playing 
playing games at that, you know, kind of around this time around last this point. year. Yeah. So, but at least this year, we know it's not points that they're going to need in order to make it to the playoffs or to make a run. Like we expect to make the playoffs as a San Antonio FC fan at this point to be a successful season. So for them to make a run, there's, there's a few things I feel like that they're going to have to address and it's going to have to either be in practice. It's going to have to be tactically a switch is going to have to flip or something because you're not going to address it at this point, obviously, with player transfers or anything like that. I don't know. The player transfers hasn't froze. And that's that's the one thing that they do. Do you, you feel know, like we, they do something this late in the season, though, historically? I think, I think we can. came in around this time. Okay. Like I said, we can get a, we can get a veteran defender or two. To sure, That's what we really need to show. Offensive wise, we're fine, and I think that Frank that that we're already patched that up. Our midfield's fine, but and if you're going to make a push in the playoffs, mm-hmm. also a deeper in the playoffs, mm-hmm. we need better defenders. And maybe this will, sh- you know, getting veteran defenders will shake things up. Get the other guys say, hey, you know what, I better get it in gear, or, or I'm going to be sitting on the bench. At least one, right? Because it seems like any given game, you know, if you had like one guy could really make a difference even, you know, you don't necessarily like you'd love to have two, but even just one could. Because that, that's what I was going to say is number one priority. One to be the solid left back defender type there. Because, you know, I, I like Ibuzi is a great guy, but you can clearly see there's a huge drop yeah. when, when he steps on the pitch. There's just no there's. And, and it just maybe you know playing time. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's 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 there. And you look at our schedule. We play New Mexico this week. We go on the road next Friday to Tacoma, which Tacoma is playing better. They're still young. Mm-hmm. They're you know, but but they've got a lot of talent. You you go to Phoenix. That's going to be hell to play. Thank God, is you know Sam Dor didn't schedule a dollar <laughs> beer night. So thank you, Sam. Uh, you, you come home and play Oklahoma. You go out to LA and play Las Dos, which we've had mixed results out there. You go on the road and face Tulsa, and the problem with Tulsa, and I don't know, you know, this is news that broke today, is they sold to you know some owners that actually have some money, and they've already talked about that they're going to try to bring in to you know help elevate the roster. So, you know, they, they haven't, I don't think they've won since March or, you know, something along those lines. That Tulsa match is going to be a little bit tougher than what you're, it looks like it may be tougher than what it is now. And we know how we do midweek in Tulsa. Last year we sucked and, you know, uh, you know up there and, and you know, we just struggle up there. Come home, play Fresno, which is a tough team. Then you're on the road for two out of the last three at Vegas, um, which they play better at home. At Portland, Timber 2, which is a tough place to play, and then home against Colorado. So you've got some games that you should be able to take care of, but, you know, like, you know, you'd expect, hey, you're going to beat Tacoma. You are you would expect that you're going to beat Tulsa. You would expect that you're going to beat Colorado. Um, and I think even away against Vegas, I think you're probably slightly favored. But New Mexico, to me, I think it's a coin flip. Sure. Rising is, you know, we're an underdog to Rising. Fresno at home is probably what a coin flip because Fresno's top two, top three in the league. But And on the road against Timbers, you'd have to go with, with the, you know, with, with Portland. Now, there are two teams, so you don't know how they're going to mesh out. But the schedule's not easy going down. You know, you're talking about a lot of playoff teams, Oklahoma City, L.A., um, 
you know, are in, in Portland are three teams that are battling in the same positions we are. So, you know, outside of Phoenix, which, you know, maybe what, what they won 13 in a row, that maybe they're fit. You know, if they continue to win, they could set a USL record, I believe, with 15 straight wins of the night that we face them. So even though it's not dollar beer night, you know that crowd's going to be fired up. And, and to your point, I, you know, I, I think you might be looking at it a little bit too closely, a little bit too analytically. When you look at the talent, I think, within the USL, I, I think San Antonio FC, especially if you look at adding something like a strong defender or another piece to address some of the concerns for San Antonio FC, outside of really Phoenix Rising, I think most of those teams – you know, you, you talk about Fresno and they're going to be tough. Um, obviously, we just beat Reno and had a really great result against mm-hmm. them. How quickly we forget after the match against RGV, not saying it's not warranted. You know, what have you done for me lately? But outside of some of those other teams, like you say, it's kind of a, a 50-50. Who's home? Who's away? What night of the week is it? You know what I mean? And so outside of the Phoenix Rising match, obviously, where that's going to be hell to play, if they come out, you know, the way that they've been showing up with the amount of goals that they've been able to score this season outside of the PKs that they've gotten, which I know you've kind of been looking at uh, some of the reasons behind uh, that as well. And I'm with you, Harry. I like the investigative journalism that you're doing with the dollar beer night, buddy. I'm behind it 100 percent. Let me tell you. Um, but I, I think it comes back to. So what does San Antonio FC need to address to really play to their best ability and the back line is obviously, I think, the glaring issue kind of first and foremost, staring everybody in the face, the elephant in the room. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to me that with the amount of goals we've had scored on us lately with some of the set pieces and stuff like that, you really haven't heard as much about the goalkeeping. And, you know, Cardoni's been doing a serviceable job so far, you know, with some of the saves that he's been making and everything. You know, whether or not he's a caliber keeper to make a deep run, a USL championship caliber goalie is yet to be seen. But I don't think that's kind of been a glaring issue or anything like that. And to your point, Rafa, you know, offensively, it's kind of interesting because I felt like early on in that game against RGV, I really didn't see much clicking in the way offensively. We were doing a lot with possession, Harry, as you kind of were talking about earlier in the show with doing what we want, but a lot of that was backwards movement and stuff like Mm -hmm. that too. So as far as offensively goes for a while there, I felt like we were kind of struggling to really mount any kind of attack or anything like that versus RGV. I was kind of surprised to get two goals in the first half. What did you think offensively there, Harry, from the first half? Well, first half, I thought they were okay. The second half is the part that I have an issue. I don't really remember any, you know, there was one play where, where uh, you know, the ball crossed Gomez had it and the you know, RGV defender made a hell of a play. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, do you really, I don't, they didn't really pressure him. They didn't really push it. And, you know, in fact, Edson, you know, uh, from down in the Valley, you know, I, I briefly talked to him a little bit after the, you know, after the game, we, we, we exchanged texts. He, he was wondering why they backed off the pressure because when they were, when they were pressuring them, you know, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a clean night. I don't think anybody will say, "Hey, you know, everything was clicking." But when you kind of backed off, and, and, and to me, it was almost like, "Hey, let's just kind of you know bounce it around and you know try you know the the whole you know possession without really direction, mm-hmm. um, you know, without purpose." 
it kind of it kind of felt like that in the second half because the second half was just going quick, going quick. Hey, we're in control. We're up to nothing. You know, we're not really doing anything. They're not really doing anything. Um, but they say the the most dangerous lead is the two zero, and we we fell victim to it. You know, it's. I think if you had got that third goal, you know, you gave up that that set piece, and everybody's like, oh, okay, you know, not a big deal. But you know, when you get when you get when you're only up by one. You know that inspired RGV to you know, hey, let's press and press and, and you know, ten minutes, you know, eight minutes later they had the tying goal. Well, and you kind of felt like you saw it coming. You saw some mistakes there defensively, and I mean, some of it too. Like you know, we talk about what they're going to be able to change. If it's not a player, a, a lot of it's just getting back to the basics. I mean, some of those clearances that you saw, even from Green, who again was having a pretty good night as he has been lately. He had a couple times where he cleared the ball out like right through the middle of the field to the opposition. I mean, that's just simple defending that you teach at U10. You clear the ball to the outsides of the field. You don't clear the ball up the middle because that's how you turn it over for a quick counterattack. And so we got a little bit lucky there a couple times, um, you know, before they got that set-piece goal. And, I mean, on that set-piece goal, there was just – not a single defender, I mean, around him. If, as far as even challenging for the ball, it was like he was heads above everybody in the crowd and was just able to put it right there. Um, and then on that own goal, obviously. Uh, it's an unfortunate goal. Is. It's, it's unfortunate. You, you got a tackle there. You know, maybe you can try and do something again a little bit more to try and clear it away versus back. It's all about directions, you know, when you're a defender in the box like that and just – even as a even even as a goalie, you don't want to punch back out towards the middle. It's about angles and trying to clear it out as wide as possible, you know. And so, again, defensively, just kind of sometimes getting back to the basics of making simple mistakes that you just felt like something might happen there in the second half. But um, you know, it was an amazing effort uh, by Mo Hernandez. I felt like. Um, you know, it looked like it, and Rafa, maybe you saw this early on, but it looked almost like they were double-teaming um, Pirano and uh, and even Lopez, uh, covering him pretty closely as well. Uh, and I think that's kind of why you saw some of those different passes opening up for some of those guys who aren't normally as involved in the attack. What did you think about um, Pirano's effort, you know, obviously before the left-footed goal that he was able to finally find space a little bit on? I mean, he's, he's gaining more space, I guess, because of Frank's really getting that double team. He's getting that attention, you know. But I wish he would have duplicated what he did and, you know, over there in Reno is take shots from outside. You know, you made two, probably you know, two beautiful goals from the outside of the 18 last week. Uh, try to do it again. See, see someone's going to step up and block your shot. And I don't think he actually did that this game. Besides the, the that little cheeky goal he scored on the on the mm-hmm. on the second one, but he had opportunities to take shots from outside, and I know he was wanting to feed Frank to get Frank his his, but sometimes you got to be selfish and you know what he's being covered. I got to take shots here from outside because those are the only opportunities. Because RGB's goalkeeper was not sharp. I'm gonna tell you that he's not he was not sharp, you know, and we just never took advantage. And I don't think we even took advantage when they went a man down. You know, down, man down. You got you, you smell blood. You go out for the kill. You know, I think we never, even after the second goal, when they got the red card, we never ever went after that third goal, or you know, hey, let's switch it up a little bit. You know, 
you know, if, if, when Moses came in, hey, let's get in another attacker and again another goal or so forth. You know, you know, you're down a man. Go for the kill. Don't just leave him alive and give him little an ounce of hope. And that's what happened on that corner kick when they scored. They gave, you gave him hope, and mm-hmm. they got you know they got that lucky own goal and you know, lose two. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully for next this coming week, you know, if you are going to use Moses, you know. Hopefully the Pekka is back. You know, hopefully it's nothing serious. But I like to see them play a four-four-two, and with Moses on the outside defense, one of the outside defenders. Uh, Pekka is the holding attacking. Yeah, Pirano is attacking mid, and Barbie and Gomez on each side on the wing. And then I like to see Ever and Frank up top. I want to see if they can stop our two best forwards. You know. They want to double team Frank. Go ahead, because Ever's going to make you pay. Yeah, I think that's what we need to do against New Mexico. We need to get our two best forwards and put this, put put some goals in and put this game away and get the three points because a tie is not going to help us against New Mexico. Well, and that's why I think New Mexico is a great test because who better to after the match against RGV if you really want to create that spark, you know, and, and build off that momentum that you kind of had started to build off with the month that they had, what I guess now it was back in July, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, that win uh, here recently against Reno, and some of the momentum that we were starting to see um, after the signing of Frank Lopez and just everything that he kind of brought to the attack. But I think it will be interesting now because, like I say, I think you're going to see a lot more of that double team kind of switching off between Lopez and Pirano and having a guy like Guzman up top where that's what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to try and find who that open guy is on the attack like they were able to do, I think, with Moses and then Barnby, and, and that's why you had those guys open there in space was because of the double teams and stuff like that that they're having to do now with Lopez and Pirano. So adding an additional attacker, I think I guess, I guess that's what I meant by their attack wasn't as effective, I felt like, even in that first half when we were starting off because it's like they were trying to do that same thing there kind of with Lopez and Pirano, and they just weren't having a whole lot of success early on. But sometimes I guess you just got to keep doing it too, you know, and I'm sure you see this as a coach. But, you know, when you start off with your game plan and it's not working early, you had that game plan for a reason, I guess, right? Yeah, you got to switch it up. If something's not working, you know, you got to switch it up. You know, you got to see what what the defense is giving you and and make that adjustment. And if you don't recognize it, you know, it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. You know, and that's what it when that's what it did. We never pressed. You know, you're playing with three forwards. You know, go press them because you know they don't have. If they try to get the ball up the field, they're still a man down. Does it? You know, so it doesn't really feel like three forwards, though, does it? The way that we no, played, it doesn't. it doesn't feel like we're we're playing with three forwards. No, it looks like we're playing like more like a three, like a three six five or six. Yeah. <laughs> You know, something like what Spain did when they won the World Cup. You know, that's, you know, we need to start pressing teams. And I notice every time that we press a defense, we, they make mistakes, we take advantage of it. We get a good shot or we get the goal. We did not do that, you know, against RGV, you know, on this game. You know, you got, when they're a man down, you smell blood, you go for the kill and we'll press them. We'll wear them out. Because sooner or later, like I said, they're going to have a open up the you know open up their game mm-hmm. to try to get a goal mm-hmm. and that would open a lot more space for us and we would have more likely would have put in that third goal 
Well, you feel like it gives it more of a chance for them to expose themselves, right? And let them make the mistake, kind of. And if you're in the right place at the right time, you know what I mean, to take advantage of it. But that's kind of where we were lacking is even with them playing a man down. And, you know, I don't think they were really at that point yet where they had gotten too desperate. Like you said, they had kind of thrown three up top there, but it wasn't really... But, you know, you, you hope you can kind of get that third goal off of a counterattack or something like that, some mistake. And with the substitution of Billy, you know, and, and kind of him with the injury and, and thinking maybe that was part of the poor, poor performance that we saw in, in the last match. Um, and then, well, not the last match, but the last match that he played in, excuse me, against Reno because he was out. But when Billy came in, you know, he didn't really – create that spark or create that chance that you'd kind of hoped a guy coming in in the 75th minute off the bench like him would be able to provide. I know he had that one chance, I think, where he just ripped it and sailed it, you know, upper left of the stadium almost out in the parking lot where I thought I had a free souvenir. But, <laughs> I mean, it's – it's I, I just – it's I, I, that's why I th I'm excited that New Mexico is the next game because I think it's exactly the type of test that they need to either get back on track with this season or finally kind of prove that this is a middle-of-the-table team that's going to have its ups and downs, its peaks and valleys. And, you know, once something stops working, we can't really come up with anything additional. And to me, that goes back to the coaching. Yeah, this is a statement game because last time we played in New Mexico, we got our butts kicked. Yeah. 3-0. We got our butts kicked. So you, they got to go in this game remembering that. I say, you know what? It's it's time for payback. We need to jump on them right away. Let's take them out of the game, get the three points, and move on to the next. You know, go to the, you know get the win in Tacoma after that. You know, and then whatever happens in Phoenix, come out with some with some points. Great, but this is this is the probably the the game that's either gonna make or break the season. Yeah, these next two because they have. Saturday the 24th, and then they turn around and Friday the 30th, so uh, in Tacoma, so it'll be a, a short week for them. But uh, I'm with you. I, I think we're going to have a very good idea of San Antonio's playoff chances after really after this week because mm -hmm. I think most everybody would think that they're going to beat Tacoma. But if, if, if you drop another, you know, if you drop another – points at home because in the last two games at home we've got one point because don't forget we lost to sacramento so that means in in the month of uh you know month, month of you know august, august out of nine fine. points at home if we do not win we'll only get one point and that's unacceptable and uh six out of the next nine are on the road so you know it's it's not going to get you know, there, there's only, what, one, what, four home matches left, and this is the fourth one? Well, and you talk about ending the season on a positive note for season ticket members and everything else. That's a valid point. You know, there's only, even with the number of games left, only four home games left to make a positive impression. New Mexico's a, a great team that you could have a uh, exciting atmosphere out there, kind of like you did against the Reno in that environment. And don't forget, they got the Selena cover band, the... Bitty Bitty Banda. Baba, something like that. So it's going to, you know, I know they said 7,500 uh, was the attendance uh, at the uh, game there. And, uh, I'm gonna, just going to say we're doing a little RGV math on that because there wasn't 7,500 <laughs> there. 
What did you think of the turnout? I, I was actually kind of like, I, I wasn't sure. It, it continues to surprise me, though, because I feel like it was still kind of a, a pretty decent turnout. I didn't think so. Well, like 5,000? Um, no, I, I think it was a lot less than the last game. Was it? Yeah. yeah we, we had a lot out there at that game, though, too. But it looked, it seemed like a lot less from the last game. And I know because of this, I mean, the Cowboys played that night. And I know that's a factor. But I can I can remember from the Sacramento game and this game, it was, it was a lot less. And you would think, hey, this is a rivalry game. You know, we need to pack the house. And, and RGV actually brought people. That's uh, true, too. That, that's, that's, to me, that, that's going to be my second sore subject here is after the, you know, after the match uh, player wise here. Um, but, you know, the, the stampede came up, they represented, um, I actually ended up parking right next to them. So of course, when I got to walk out after the match, uh, oh, they got to pour some salt on the wound. <laughs> so, they were so salty. They were, <laughs> they're, they're, they're cool. Don't get me wrong, but it just, you know, that's the last thing that you wanted to see is, oh, RGV fans here. Because you know you're going to catch it. You, just, it's, you expect it to. I, I would have done the same thing. Well, um, to, to your point about it being a statement game or off of the upcoming match versus New Mexico, you know, also Austin was a statement game kind of because of that same reason with the beatings that they'd put on mm-hmm. us so far this season. So I guess that's why I'm still just slightly optimistic because I still can remember Austin and, and Reno and, you know, kind of what they've been building on here lately. We knew the back line was going to be what the back line is. We know we're going to have to have at least a little bit of help, you know, from God or the football gods or the wind or the post or whoever you want to pray to. Um, but, you know, overall, I feel like we're making some changes in the right direction and I know a lot of that, I think, has been the addition of Frank Lopez and what he's brought to this team. It, it hasn't been a whole lot of, like, well, Powell's just made all these changes here recently that have made our team a lot better and we've done all these different things. No, we've added a player who's been that much of a difference maker for our team and been that spark and created kind of that diversion, even, if you will, that gives other players more chances, like you've seen from Pirano recently and like you saw Billy kind of benefit from when he's been struggling so far this season but I I think until we address the back line whether it's getting better at simple fundamentals of defending or whether it's an addition like you hope that maybe we can bring in and really just solidify at least our defending against set pieces you know and and whether it's the left back or, or whatever you know it's like the old saying, you know, defense wins championships. And, well, especially and come playoffs. It's, yeah. it's shown that that's why the East has won so many titles in a row is because, you know, because mm-hmm. of the defense. Mm-hmm. U.S. or pardon me, in the West, it's a lot, you know, you know, it's a lot more open. Um, and, but in a one game series, if you, you know, or one game match, I guess it's not a series. Uh, defense, defense can be a, 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 the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I can remember, like I said, when I coached my first year, like in high school, you know, when we made our run in district play. Clark years? Yeah. Your Clark years. (laughs) When we made our run in district play, you know, we won a bunch of one-goal games. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of our defense. You know, and 
I think that's, you know, that, that's an issue that, like I said, it needs to be fixed. You know, put your four best defenders out there, or are you going to go with three? We'll get Moses in there and and see what Slide we can on do. over, baby. You know, that's, that's going to be the key because if we can go into, like, some uh, – uh, not, like I said, on a road game and come out with a 1-0 in because of our defense, that's great. That's going to scare the other teams. Right. That maybe not want to play us. And, so, you know, you hope that if your offense can put two on the board, you can win that game and get to three points even if you give one up, you know? So anytime your offense is scoring two, you hope your defense can at least do their part to, to get the three points. Exactly. But let's uh, – I know we want to do the player uh, report cards and everything. Um what do you guys think? I kind of want to actually split it up maybe just into a couple episodes because I feel like we actually had a really good discussion just kind of around San Antonio FC as a whole and everything. What do y'all think about maybe breaking down, say, the back line or you know some of the offensive positions, whichever position group you guys want to go after and maybe just doing like half of it today and then saving the other half for the next show? Sure. Okay. Harry, I'm gonna let you pick, man, because this is your day, buddy. We want to cheer you up here on the round table. What a uh, what position group most excites you to go ahead and grade today, sir? So we're gonna do two of them, right? Basically, we'll split it in half. Sure. So I think we should do the defense. Uh, and, well. Let's do the forwards and uh, well, no. Uh, so let's do the midfield and forwards tonight. Okay, offensive attacking mid or the the entire all of them. Uh, that'll be up to you. All right. Well, we'll start off and we'll see how far we make it here as far as our report cards go. <laughs> We're casual here at the round table. So, um, shoot. I guess I will start us off then on the attacking end. Um, Alphabetically, we'll just start off with Billy Forbes because he's here on the uh, top of my list. So I know I've been pretty positive on Billy, um, especially here kind of as of late. Um, I have mentioned that I have felt like he is a step off a lot of this season. He hasn't been kind of that same Billy that we've seen. Um, Some of the struggles that I feel like he has have been struggles that I feel like he's always had as far as not getting back defensively and things like that. I did kind of find it interesting, though, if you take a look at his statistics and everything, when you look at duels and duels won, uh, he and Gomez and Jameson actually um, all have kind of similar numbers. Um, You know, he's not the workhorse that Pirano is when it comes to, you know, challenging and everything else. But I did kind of think that was surprising that as much as we dog him, for not getting back after he loses the ball. He does have 197 duels with 84-1 compared to Gomez, who has 204-91, to or Jameson, who only has 130-64-1. to So he is kind of right on pace, actually, um, in that regard. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go give him a C. Um, I know you guys probably were thinking I was going to go maybe a B-plus or even A-minus. Uh, depending on how much of the Kool-Aid I've been drinking today. Um, But I I know he's had his struggles this year. I'd love to give him that B. I just don't think he's earned it. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and we'll start with Billy. I'm going to go C. C plus. Rafa, you want to go next, buddy? We'll defer to you. Uh, I'd give him a C minus. And I think those two years in Phoenix, 
Drogba effect rubbed off rubbed off on them. And it's kind of made him a little like a diva. Like without me, you can't do. That. He, he's not the same player that when he was when he first go around with us. Sure. And that's that's the player that we really need. You know, I know he's doing well with the duels, but I think he can do a lot better than that. And especially sending crosses. That's where he's dangerous at is when he sends crosses in the box. He hasn't been doing much of that. You know. If he can average at least maybe 15, 20 crosses a game, you know, that's that would raise his, his grade, you know. And also, the, like I said, the defense, if he, he needs to understand you're playing a three-man defense, you have to run back. You have to come back and help him defend. You know, you're not going to leave your outside defender exposed or that outside space exposed. So my grade for him is a C-minus. All right, so he's rocking a C right now. Harry, are we going to swing that one way or the other? Is he getting a passing grade for his first semester from the roundtable? I want to go with D, but I'll go with C. You guys have kind of talked me into it because he does have three goals, three assists. Um, Just Yeah, he hasn't been special. I think that's the biggest issue is – you know, he had, you know, he's had a couple of games where, you know, he's, you know, he's made a mark, but he hasn't really took over a game like he used to. And, and that may be what the problem that, um, the problem that we have is maybe we have unfair expectations of him, mm. um, you know, from the Scorpion years mm. and, you know, from, uh, you know, what, two years, three years ago uh, for their, you know, when he started out so well, and then, you know, he had that mid season where you know, the drought and then he finished strong. Um, he went to Phoenix, didn't really make much of a difference there. And, um, I think we're starting to see where, in my opinion, I don't think we're better with him on the field. Um, I think at this point, you know, you've got better options, whether it's Barnby Gomez, um, you know, Jameson when he was healthy, uh, than Forbes. So, um, to me, I'll probably just go with the C, you know, you know, I, I was leaning a D, but he does have three assists. So, um, he does have, you know, he, he does have that, you know, his shooting accuracies, you know, 43.6, um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's it just, I don't think he's been as poor as we, we, we think he has been. And I think a lot of that's perception with defense, Mm-hmm. Um, because when he wants to play defense, he can play defense. The problem is, is he doesn't want to play defense very often. So, And, and that's a fair point. You know, full disclosure, obviously, my following um, the team is, is more San Antonio <laughs> FC dated and you know, on not, you know, Scorpion days and, and things like that. So, you know, to me, I, I, he kind of had some of those diva tendencies, in my opinion, when he left here uh, at that point in his career with San Antonio FC. But we've uh, we've given him our, our final grade, and uh, he'll end up with a C. And uh, just passing here, uh, we'll say a D is failure. So um, next up, just going again alphabetically, is going to be Bradford Jamison. Um, you know, Bradford has been, again, in my opinion, one of the better players for San Antonio FC this year. Um, as far as my opinion on his individual talent, He's probably one of a couple players on the roster that I feel like could compete at the MLS level that does deserve to be playing on an MLS squad that I could see in his future competing at that level because he is still relatively young. I feel like he has some untapped potential 
that he's on an upward climb, not really a downward climb like maybe Billy is at this point in his career, you know, and like you say, our expectations are too much. But Bradford has just been, to me, that consistent player that you can just kind of count on week in and week out to produce for you, whether it's creating dangerous chances, maybe it's not, you know, a goal or an assist, uh, winding up on the uh, scorecard or whatever. Um, but I, I'm going to go B plus um, for, for Jameson because, like I say, I think his consistency has been there. Um, and I do think that he creates quality chances, maybe not as many as you'd like to see, but the chances he does have are quality chances and he, and he finishes. Rafa, we'll just keep going in the same order. Sure. Um, I I know he has five goals on the season, but his play has been very limited. You know, I know with the injuries, you know, I wish Paul would utilize him a little bit more, especially since he has history with Frank. Now, you know, now that he's on our team, you know, and I've seen videos when they're in the Galaxy together and they have a chemistry. Hopefully he does come back from the injury. And so um, I just don't like to see him more on the pitch. So, I mean, I migrate with him. You know, he's a great player. He's got size. He's smart. You know, good touch on the ball. It's just we just haven't seen him too much mm-hmm. out there. So I'm going to give him a, a, a B right now. I think it, it could increase. If he got more playing time, it could be close to an A. You know, that's 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 a possibility. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a B right now. Availability is the best asset sometimes. What about you, Harry? Yeah, he's only played 968 minutes, uh, just in kind of comparison. Lance Lang has played 490, so he's played basically just twice the amount. And I don't think, you know, I can't remember the last time I've seen Lance Lang. So um, just kind of is he as, still as San Antonio? He's on the roster, uh, but uh, he's got five goals. When he's on, is you know he's pretty productive. Minutes per goal is is uh, just a shade under 194. Um, you know, shooting accuracy is above 50. percent So I think you know that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he does have two assists. So I think B is probably proper. Um, except you know I'd love to see him when he was healthy get a little bit more minutes. Um, you know, maybe instead of Forbes. Um, at the time, maybe, you know, maybe he's seen Jameson at the time, but, you know, it's, it's a solid B there. There's no question, you know, you know, maybe if he had a little bit more time, you could even push it up a little bit more, but right now, no. Well, and maybe a topic for another day, but you would have loved to have seen maybe what he could have done with a whole season there with Frank Lopez as well. And maybe how different, you know, San Antonio FC's season uh, there at the beginning might have been had we had the addition of Lopez uh, a little bit earlier but moving right on down the list obviously coming up next is going to be Brian Gomez um you know I I I don't know what to think of Gomez um I I love his attacking style I love the speed and, and the danger that he brings to the uh to the roster and everything or to the lineup um, four goals, obviously. So again, um, has had some production when he's on. Um, but I, I'm going to go again with a, a middle of just a B um, for Gomez. Um, I, I think he loses it sometimes as far as his passing goes. Um, looking at his distribution percentage, um, it looks like passing accuracy 76.9. So not horrible. Um, but I just I don't know what to think of him yet as far as his ability. Um, I, I know he's fast and I know he's got great footwork and everything, but um, just as far as 
a Cisco or just being able to finish and kind of get that final, whether it's a goal or an assist. I just don't know if he's there at that, that final, final level yet. So I'm going to go with a Bianco miss. As far as Gomez, like I said, he does have the four goals. Um, I think right before the injury, he was really one of our top players. And once he got hurt, and it's t- it's taken him a while to come back to get that form. You know, you know, he was kind of one of the bright spots in early on, you know, in the season, even though we were struggling. Mm-hmm. But you can tell, like I said, the footwork, the, the aggressiveness, the passing, you know, he was on the upward until that injury, and then, you know, he's he's trying to get his you know his feet back on you know back on the field, and and he's made improvements. So um, I, I can go with a B minus right now. Okay, but like I said, we're still you know he still got other games coming on the season, so you know, that could jump up pretty soon. So before the injury, more of like an A, and and then now after was the injury, like a B plus. It was it was at a B plus, but right now. Because of the injuries, is at a B minus. But like I said, he's he, he's he's already getting back to form, like what he was when he before the injury. Yeah, I think he's a solid B, and I think the, I think the passing that that we're talking about here is more the crossing. He's only got an eighteen point eight crossing accuracy, and if you're on the wings, you know, in on how San Antonio FC plays, you got to be able to cross it in. And, and I know some of it's how the defense and stuff like that, but. Um, you, you know, there's there's others that have a little bit of higher, you know, accuracy. And I think some of that's going to kind of come in, um, you know, with, with a little bit more maturity and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, B minus uh, B is, is probably appropriate for, you know, for Gomez. Um, you know, he's been one of the better players, um, but he's been one of those sneaky players where, you know, no, you know, nothing really stands out. But, yeah, you know, either positive or negative. Um but you know, like I said here, I, I can't think of a poor game that he's had. That which, which is, which is, you know, which is, you know, what you're looking for. Again, that consistency, and you're right. You know, he's been a very consistent player, and that's why I love you, Harry, because you're my numbers guy. I'm more of just kind of the eye test guy. And you look at the, the the numbers, and you're like, no, it's the crossing percentage, you dumbass, not the passing percentage. So. Thank you very much. Um, Christian. Well, I didn't mean to put it like that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Pirano, um, I, I think that's one, you know, that we can kind of still agree upon. And it was kind of funny because somebody had commented on an old tweet uh, that we had sent out from just real early on in the season. I think it was after that first preseason game when everybody was kind of like, who's this Pirano character, you know, at the beginning of the year and everything. And, uh, you know, we've seen a couple little lulls in, in, in his performances and, and stuff like that. But I feel like, you know, what a good player does when they start running into what they're doing is not working is they adjust their game. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what you've seen from Pirano. And for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and give him an A um, so far this year. Uh, I, I do believe that he's been a bright spot for San Antonio FC. And even when he's found himself not producing, he's been able to try and figure out how to turn his game around in order to start producing or to make his attack a little bit more dynamic to where it's not so one-dimensional, I guess, would be the best way to put it. He has gotten a lot more two- and three-dimensional here as of late versus earlier in the season when he was really one-dimensional. So I'm going to go ahead and give him an A. Yeah, he's been one of the bright spots this year. Um, I know he he struggled a little bit early on trying to get – 
Pace learned the system. You know, he was losing a lot of balls. Everyone asked him, why isn't he shooting? Why isn't he passing? And I think that when they sat him down for a couple games, I think that kind of opened his eyes that, hey, you know, I, I need to change my game or not. I'm going to be riding the bench the whole season. And then ever since that, he's just been on. He's he's like that energizer bunny that won't stop. And that's that's just like, like I said, he's like a piranha on the field. He's mm-hmm. back and forth, up and down goes back, get the ball and defend, you know, he, he's just flat out on attack mode. And, you know, you got to give him, you know, I wish we had 11 more players like that well, on sure. attack mode. Four you of know. those yellow cards were because of him, really, against RGV getting pulled down from behind, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, he, he gives, even though for his size, he gives them pro- problems. You know, he does remind me like Rafa, Cast- like Rafa Castillo, but he's a younger version of him and, you know, but at 19, now he's 20, now he's 20, you know, he's he's just going to get better. And, you know, he's he's made strides. And from the beginning of the season to now, he's been the big, one of the big right spots of the team. So, I, you know, I'll give him an A minus. But okay. who's to say, you know, by the end of the season, he's not our A plus player, you know, which is a possibility. I'm giving him an A plus. Uh, just – from what he started out, the growth that he's made this year, um, you know, you guys are talking about, you know, the, the, the contact that he's absorbed. He's, he's won 61 fouls, you know, you know, for us only one yellow card. He has committed 36 fouls, which is fine. But the surprising thing about Pirano's game here is his tackle success rate is 90.5. So when he, when he is doing it, you know, he's got 19 tackles, uh, he's got six interceptions. Um, his pack, passing accuracy in the opponent's half, so on the other side, it's close to 80%, 79.3. You know, you know, 78 successful dribbles. This is with five goals and, and, and one assist. So um, outside of maybe, you know, his crossing accuracy, which is 16.7%, which, you know, you know, you know is something that you'd probably like to, to improve on. And, you know, we've all been begging him to take some shots, you know, from outside the box. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for his age, for his maturity, for, for coming in, I don't see how, you know, I don't know of another player recently that's made as big of an impact on the fan base than Pirano has here recently. I think comparing him to, to Rafa Castillo, if he sticks around and he does any amount of time here, he would be the next Rafa as far as being revered by the fans, uh, you know, for that here, which, you know, which is something that, you know, SAFC really, really needs at this point. And again, an, another player that I do feel like has that potential to be playing in the MLS. Uh, one number two hand, though. Be here beyond this year, I don't think. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? I don't think he'll be here beyond this year. I she, think he, yeah. he's got. You know, Rafa was talking about, you know, you know, I was thinking, hey, he could go to MLS. Rafa is thinking that he could go to overseas over to Europe pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, he's got the tools and, you know, just going, I mean, going to a second division European team, mm-hmm. you know, with their, with their coaching staff and they can develop him. And I, I mean, I could see him being playing, you know, in a EPL lower division team, like Cardiff, like someone like, like Cardiff. Yeah. Cardiff or, you know, I think he's more League One right now, but yeah, I think it right kind of brings it in and loans him down for him still to get that maturity. And he's still a small guy, so you'd like to see him maybe put on a little bit more, 
you know, mature, his body still continue to mature. But beyond that, he's, he, you know, the, the, the dude's a stud. And, and like I said here, uh, for however long that he's here in San Antonio, we, we definitely need to uh, make sure we're praising the young man. And the one thing with him, he's very humble. Mm-hmm. And that's rare. And for him, the having the success, a lot of players, they'll go to their head. But he's very humble. I think he understands his role on the team. And, you know, he, and like I said, he's, he's just going to get better. You know, wherever he's with us or anywhere else, he's just he's going to be a, a guy to be to look out for in the future. And uh, also, too, here, only one of uh, three players uh, available all 24 games so far this season for San Antonio FC. So uh, definitely, definitely a, a star here on the roster. Um, Ethan Bryant, kind of the next one, obviously unfortunate, the, the injury that he suffered to the quad early, or what we believe he suffered uh, early in the season. Um, you know, we weren't really too sure how long of an injury it was going to be. We kind of hoped he might have some availability, but, you know, not can't really, I feel like, give him any sort it's of an incomplete. Grade. In, incomplete. So uh, moving right along here for time's sake, um, somebody we hadn't really seen too much now as of lately, Ever Guzman. Um, you know, we kind of wondered who was going to be that guy that had to sacrifice the most to make room for uh, Frank Lopez and uh, I think if you look at the numbers, uh, it's easy to say that Guzman's kind of that guy. Um, obviously, still been having a heck of a season. Uh, just kind of looking at the numbers here, five goals um, so far on the year. Um, I, tough one to judge because for so long he didn't really have any help. So, you know, you hadn't seen the production value from him. Like you feel like you really need to, in order to give him like that a grade or even like a B plus or a high rating, but also too, you know, he really was the only attack for San Antonio FC for so far the uh, beginning of the season. So I guess I'm going to go for him again on a B plus. Um, kind of up in the air right now with how the season's going to finish out. I'd love to see him up top uh, with Lopez, as he suggested, if they do transition to more of a 4-4-2 here for the time being. Um, but again, I, I feel like I just wanted to see something more from him. I, I don't know if it's it's the shooting chances. I know he's dangerous inside the box. He's not really a complete player when it comes to outside-the-box shooting um, but maybe that's just kind of who he is as a player and everything, and that's not just one of his strengths. But I'm going to go ahead and give him a B-plus on the season. As far as ever, um, I notice there's a big difference between last year and this year. And it's not he's, it's not the same player when we first got him, and then the couple of years after, you know, the couple of seasons after that, he was very aggressive. This year I noticed when he's been on the pitch, he's not aggressive as far as creating – chances as far as causing turnovers he just kind of walks through the motions and I know he's trying to maybe he has a different type of way he plays but you know I think if he would create you know more he'll get more opportunities if he would be more aggressive like Frank mm-hmm. and I think maybe this it's a wake-up call to him to say hey you know I gotta pick up my game because now I'm, I'm sitting here on the bench because of that I would like to I would like to see him with Frank up front and see what you know what we can do with our two best forwards. You know what are the other defenses going to do 
when we have those two guys out there, you know, how are they going to adjust to us, you know, and maybe that'll open more to his game. But for right now, like this season, I know he's gotten five goals. I, I expect better from him. I expect more from him. So I'm giving him a C plus. Yeah, I'm kind of B minus C plus, you know, and, and I don't really think it's his fault though. that's the problem. I, I think the, he's got five goals, which is great. You know, he's averaging about one every 235 minutes. But he was playing at a time where the team was just in a funk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think bringing out that funk is the speed, which he doesn't have. So mm-hmm. on the makeup of the roster that we have, it, it doesn't seem like he really fits. And, and you know, and I think that's why he's on the bench. And um, I do think when he's on the field, he's hustling. And, and you know, he, you know he, he comes back more than, than probably what most forwards do, I think, you know, you know for that here. Um, where he comes back and helps, and he's you know he's on the right or the left instead of being in the middle where where he probably should be. Um, but it, it, you know, but I think that's more just him trying to cover to help make up for the, the lack of um, what was missing up front, and, and that's that pressure and speed that that Frank brings. And um, you know, so I think with what he was working with, I think he did a, he did a, you know an adequate job, but. Um, you know, I, I don't see him here next year. Uh, you know, no offense, but you know, uh, you know, with the production that he has, and and, and assuming, you know, with, with the rotation that you're going to have, you want the younger, faster guys up front. I think it shows that you know it makes it, it makes a huge difference with that speed. That seems to be the system that they have now, kind of going forward versus that style of attack, like you kind of saw from him, where he was really good at creating space in the box with just kind of his movement off the ball. But, yeah, no, it looks like they're going more towards a faster on-the-ball type of offense. Um, but I think USL overall is doing that, though. And to me, I think, I think, it's, I think it's a step up because, US, you know, you look at MLS or, you know, any, any top European league, speed matters. Mm-hmm. And I think USL is finally starting to pick up on that mm-hmm. where, you know, you know, and I think that's why Phoenix is having so much success is, and even Reno and – is you're able to just put so much pressure with with the speed that you have to have you have to have it and then you know if you if you can get the magic chemical like your uh, ma- magical ingredients like Phoenix has and actually put a quality defense you can be pretty unstoppable at this level and, and that's a fair point until everybody's just as fast and right mm-hmm. now it's like a race pun intended to who can be the fastest because you're right there is no defense against speed. And Rafa, you might be able to speak to this a little bit better than I can, except speed, right? If you can't keep up with the guy, you know, you can try and keep him in front of you to defend against him. But when he blows by you, you're yeah. not defending against him. Yeah, speed kills. That's, that's you know, you can't coach speed. And I know for us playing in the 3-4-3, three, three, ideally you want fast players. And I remember when we used to play that formation, I had fast wings and fast forwards. You know, we're going to outrun you. We're going to create space. We're gonna leave you uh, on the, you know, at, you know, kind of like the roadrunner. Boom, take off and go, and because that's more of a flat out, straight up attack formation. So the speed goes with that. With that, you know, like we're playing maybe a four four two. Maybe that's more of a possession game. You know, as far as that, you don't need much speed. But yeah, that's the trend now that everyone's playing a four three three or a three four three. You know, we they want to get up the get up the field as fast as they can. And get the ball in the net. 
All right, well, let's, uh, let's do one more, and we'll do this kind of alphabetically just because that's how it was uh, more aligned than uh, position groups. So apologize for the uh, lie there. But uh, Jack Barnby, I think, is kind of the uh, perfect cap for uh, our f- offensive, mainly offensive uh, position groupings. So we'll have to go back and obviously hit up Ebenezer and, and some of the defenders. But um, Jack Barnby, again, uh, you know, there, there for a little while, um, he kind of had a little bit of a low uh, that he that he went on where uh, we weren't seeing from him uh, what I feel like he's capable of. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was a little unsure of his ability for set pieces. I wasn't. I didn't understand why he was taking our set pieces because it didn't really look like you know he should be the kick taker um, with kind of what we had seen from Lance Lang the previous year as our kick taker. But I think now um, as the seasons progressed, we've obviously seen. Uh, why he earned that role in practice. And uh, he's been great on set pieces for us as far as ball placement and at least giving the guys a chance. You know, we haven't been great finishing set pieces, but with where he's positioning the balls on his corners and stuff like that, I feel like he's putting them in dangerous spots. I'm going to go ahead and give Barnby uh, kind of the same. Well, no, I'll I'll go a little bit higher on him than uh, actually what I went on Guzman. I'm going to give Barnby an A- minus uh, for his performance so far this season because uh, I feel like he has done very well on his set pieces, um, and he does have seven goals so far on the year. Yeah, uh, he's been also a good, like I said, that's not sort of bright spot, but he's you know he's been a consistent player as far as being on the pitch. You know, even though he got – that red card he got was kind of a little unjustified on that, but you know he's he's taking the mantle as far as doing the set pieces for Rafa because Rafa was normally would do the set pieces. Uh, the one thing I wish he would, I wish he would improve a little bit more is on his corner kicks. I think he can do a little bit better there. You know, as far as getting the ball inside the six, but as far as free, you know, free kicks outside eighteen, and uh, that guy's got a cannon, you mm-hmm. know, and he does good good placement. You know, he knows he, you know, he's made shots from outside. So, and then his size is also, he's very physical, which I like, you know, he doesn't take anybody's crap. You know, he'll chicken, like call chicken fight and get in there, scrap, you know, scrap it up with the other players. So, you know, like I said, he's, he's been a good player. Someone that I think is kind of like a little bit of a little enforcer on the attack. You know, he does he push people around. So I'm going to give him a B plus. But you know, he's, there's more room for improvement for him. So, and I can see, I can see that by the end of the season, he can be get, get into a, like the A, A minus area. Yeah, outside of Pekka, I think he's probably one of the most important players for for SAFC in, in the midfield. There, um, I, I just think when he's on the field, it's 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 different. Uh, for that, and he's played a couple of different spots. You know, he's played. You know, throughout the season, he's played a little bit uh, left back. I think a, a couple of games, um, and he's played a little bit forward. So he's he's been a little bit of you know all over all over the pitch. But um, you know, he's got seven goals. He's got uh, two assists. Um, you know, but to me, like I said here, you know, the free kicks. Um, you know, you know, to me, I just I just think that you know he's got nineteen. You know interceptions. You know, you know, you know, sixteen clearances. So, uh, to me, I, I think that you know he's probably a good A, 
Uh, a, I guess a minus uh, for here because I think yeah I think there's been a couple of times where um, I thought that he could have made a play that he didn't but you know you could say that with any player but um, I, I think he's filled that that role uh, very well uh, this year to where you know like I said here to me as far as when him and Peck are on the field I, yeah I feel very confident in our, in our midfield. Well, we'll stop there for uh, right now, and uh, we've got all that so we can take down those grades, and we'll get that uh, uploaded as far as like a little digital format or whatever um, for that report card for those players here. Um, But let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts and put a bow on the show. We'll finish kind of grading the rest of the roster uh, on the next episode. Um, But, Harry, we'll reverse it now and and, and start with you, buddy. Uh, Why don't you give us our final thoughts before the uh, New Mexico United game? Yeah, so this is going to be the second half of my sore uh, topic here, and I'm probably going to need Rafa's help for you know for a little bit of it here. Um, but after the match, I think Barnby is the only one that acknowledged the crowd at all uh, for here, and I know it was it was a sucky game at the end. Don't get me wrong, uh, but then you have RGV um, and their players, and I know home in a way is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I completely understand that, but being at home. You know, not to have any players come over to Mission City to make the little trek. And, and I know not everybody can, but usually you'll see three or four that make the trip over to Mission City and then come and come back around um, just to acknowledge the, the fan base. Um, the only one that actually came over was uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, Enriquez, uh, Chuy Enriquez. And um, he said something to a couple of uh, fans behind us. I don't know if Rafa caught it, but... Uh, uh, I don't know what he said because it was in Spanish, but uh, I get the feeling that was something. Hey, you know, did you cheer for us? And they're like, you know, I, you know the lady behind us is like, no, not my team. Uh, but you know, to me, that that's that's not a good sign when the only person that comes around the stadium and made a lap is is a RGV player, and no SAFC players uh, came and t- came to acknowledge. Uh, to me, that's something that's unacceptable, especially on USL Supporters Week uh, that they have. I, I think that's, that was just a poor showing. Um, and I'm not saying that the whole team has to do it, but there ought to be two or three designated, even if you're on the bench, that you come out and come over and just, you know, just acknowledge uh, the fans. Uh, that's, that's all it takes. And, you know, I know Preston and Luis, you know, especially if you're one of the stars or player of the week, yeah, we'll come and pull you out if, if they're there. And, and I know they have that, but that's something that I think SAFC is really missing the boat on. They used to do it the first couple of years and each year it's slowly starting to, to go away. And, and to me, we're, you know, soccer, you know, USL saying, Hey, we're a supporters week. You know, we depend on our supporters. Uh, but yeah, SAFC uh, seems to be pulling away. So um, SAFC, you gotta be better on that. And, and like I said here, it's, you know, I know even good wins, bad wins, you know, you know, a few people have to, you know, come back, you know, come back out or, or not even come back out. Just, you know, take the, you know, the 30 seconds, two minutes that it takes to go and, and you know, you know, just slap hands and then head to the locker room uh, for that here. But uh, even though I'm down and, you know, dopey this weekend, you know, they're here uh, come for, you know, come Saturday, uh, I'll definitely be a little bit more chipper and, uh, ready to give it, uh, you know, the next string, uh, you know, as uh, we go and uh, uh, whip some uh, New Mexico ass. Hell yeah, I'm all ready for that. What about you, Rafa? Any final thoughts? Yeah, like I said, going back where Harry is saying, you know, the players need to be out there for the fans, you know. 
it's like it's like when you get married for better or worse you know <laughs> we're, we're here to death do us part you know that's the relationship we need to have with players you know with with other the fans um i guess my final thoughts is going into this game saturday you know we got to win this one we have to bounce back we cannot give up any points. We got to be New Mexico. New Mexico is vulnerable right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in a little hot streak, not anymore. They already peaked. They're not kind of a little a little descent. This is a time that we can catch them with their pants down and, and get the three points and start making a run or run to the playoffs and getting some. You know, hopefully, we can get a little bit higher in the seeding. So it's important, you know, that they follow through the game plan, whatever game plan they have. Hopefully, Pekka is back. I think he was he, he was sorely missed in the last game because mm-hmm. he missed his leadership. But I expect us to win this game. Um, hopefully, we can get a get a three one win. That's where that's what I'm predicting for Saturday. Yeah, my final thought, kind of, it's actually funny because it's similar. Um, which I know this was kind of we weren't the first ones that mentioned anything after the game with the players not coming over and, and things like that, but. It almost feels to me like this year that the team is almost a little bit more not like an us versus them mentality, but like a, an us versus the world, I guess, kind of so to speak mentality. And I think too, though, when the, the team gets nothing but negative bashing on social media and stuff like that as a player after a match, you know, why are you wanting to go around to your stadium and go salute your fans or high five them or whatever when? During the week, you know, all week long, anytime they lose, all you do is bash them on social media. And I almost feel like there might be a little bit of a divide between how the the team feels there in the locker room with the support that's coming from the fans and then how the fans feel, you know, with not getting that reciprocation back from the players. Because I've just noticed this season, it seems like it's, it's one of the first seasons where after a goal and stuff like that, you don't see the celebrations and everything as much with the fans, where in previous seasons, you know, it was usually jumping into a corner or going over to a stand or something around whatever end you scored on. You see a lot of the players now after they score kind of go back to the middle of the field and celebrate with their team and everything versus celebrating with the fans. So just something I've noticed and kind of maybe a topic that, we can say for another day, but it, it has kind of maybe, you know, caused some confusion for me as far as why we haven't seen more interaction with the fans and stuff like that. And just even during the game. My, my only, uh, my biggest confusion is what well, I've been away to Oklahoma city this year. Uh, where else? I went to another game, um, El Paso and they come up. It, it's, you know, you know, they come and they they acknowledge they acknowledge the people that that traveled, and it's not just a few; it's the entire team. It's the coaching staff. Why we can't get that for our home fans? I don't. That's that's the part that I don't understand. Is if you can do it on the road, it takes you know two three minutes. You can't tell me that the press, you know the 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 the, the press you know can't meet are are that quick. Um, to where you can't have five minutes or three minutes to acknowledge acknowledge the fans. How you look at you know what I posted. You know I did a Twitter piece. Uh, was it Wolf Game? Yeah, you know, Wolf something uh, from you know, Wolfsburg. You know from, you know in Germany that their whole team was lined up and, and acknowledging the fans. And you see that his you know you see that you know 
in the rest of the leagues around 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 the world why that's not why that's not being embedded here in san antonio you know because it used to that's the thing is it used to do it i don't understand reed would come over after every game and he would bring but that's what i mean you had some of those captains and some of those guys that would bring i feel like the other players and rafa you know you were over there in 118 at the time after the matches where that was a regular thing but i feel like too to your point kind of harry that that that's almost a miss too from like an fo type standpoint because you're going to have certain players after the match that are emotional in a loss like that that don't want to go do that. So if you had like three or four that were designated players as, hey, you, 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 and you are on usher duty tonight after the game. And yeah, if anybody else wants to go out, but that would eliminate not having anyone where, you know, a lot of those guys after that match probably felt the same way we as fans did. And I get what you're saying. Even after a tough loss, you still, you know, appreciate each other. You're still there as a fan to support but I feel like after a tough match like that, some of those guys probably just wanted to get back in the locker room. So if you have a designated four or five guys, I think they've come out before and kind of mentioned uh, it was an oversight. We didn't mean to. But at this point, it's not it's, an oversight. It's, it's, it's not. It's But if you, you you could eliminate this even being a talking point. But you if don't Santa even have to go over there, say, though. You could just go to the goal area. Line up 10, 15, 20, however many that's over there. But it's the Raise mood that you're in. It's not the average. And, you know, Mission City, the, the North End stands, the people in 110, you know, 110, 108 can give, you know, you know, salute you. And, and then you go. It, it's just that simple to where you just come out and, and acknowledge it. And is I know this is something that we've talked about before, and it's – you know, in a business that that is fan driven, where we know selling season tickets right now is not as easy as it was two years ago. But have you looked on Facebook? No, I mean, I like any posts they make, it's like I'm canceling my season tickets. Blah blah blah. I'm not but renewing. That, 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 but that those are not your real fans. You know, you for better for worse. You know, you know that's that's you're you're out there. For better or for worse, whether they win or lose or tie, you know, they still have an obligation to come out there. Hey, you know, yeah, we you messed up, you give up two goals, but you know what? We still love you. You know, we we still support you no matter what. Yeah, we it hurts. You know, we're angry about it, but next day, you know what? Forget about it. We got the next game. We're still we still love you. We're gonna still support you no matter what. You know, we're but gonna we try also, to put the use too to where. Hey, even though things didn't go your way to have them come out and acknowledge, you know, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledge, you know, hey, the kids, because, you know, my son, you know, you know, he, he still enjoys, you know, the players and the purity of the game. And That's a good point you know, for he, the kids. He doesn't, he doesn't get all the social media drama with Facebook, Twitter, stuff like that. It's more, you know, through there and for the they players to come by and slap his hands sweaty afterwards, it means the world to them. And, and, as a parent, if you've got a kid, we're all, you know, well, Rafa's not a parent, but, you know, me and Scott, to have the kids come here and see the joy in their face is almost as good as the game, in my opinion. And and that's that's a fair point, you know, for the kids and stuff like that that are there. And honestly, I guess just the piece that I didn't understand is, like, I know, like, the capo from 118 and everything was bitching about it and stuff like that. It's like, if you're over there chanting for 90 minutes because you need a high five after the game and a photo op or something like that, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Wrong reasons, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't need to come over after every game and come say, thank you, 118. You guys mean so much to us. 
Thank you for chanting for 90 minutes. If you're out there to support the club, you shouldn't care about the high fives and the props after the game and the photo ops with the players. I get where you're coming from with the kids. It's a missed opportunity, in my opinion, with the FO. It's been ongoing. You can't claim it's an oversight at this point, in my opinion, with, oh, well, we all just kind of went into the locker room and didn't realize no one stuck around. But I think it would be an easy problem to fix, like you kind of mentioned or just suggested. If you just simply had four or five people that you designated, you wouldn't hear about it. But it doesn't take well, much for a player. Reserves, the, the, yeah, the, the and it could be bench players. It, it could just be. Have them come over and say, "Hey, you know, you know, thanks, thanks you guys. Know, Handshake, and, autograph for a little kid." Viscasi used to come over there after like every game, I think. They can even run up halfway to the pitch and take a bow, you know, you know, take a bow all, to all the sections and then go back. You know, yeah, it's, it's just something oh, simple. And I, I know it's just an acknowledgement, you know. But yeah, I we think, don't need to get high fives and this and that or whatever. But you're right; it's it's, it's not about acknowledgement. So Scott, you, you are yeah. right. And that's, and that's and that's more of a bandwagon fan type of deal. Oh look, I was here, blah blah blah, to show off whatever. You know, it's just acknowledgement. They just acknowledge the fans. Hey going to take a bow to, you know, to the sections and then, okay, then we got to go back in, you know, it's just something like simple as that would be, I'll, pre- I'll appreciate that. And you know, that's what I mean I about it. I, I think it's a sign of a bigger issue because I've just between that, you know, like you say, why wouldn't they, it takes two seconds to even turn around and wave, you know, how much of an ordeal is that? And between that and then, like I say, just goal celebrations, you, you don't see some of those engagements with the, the crowd. Like I feel like you used to, but We'll get into that discussion on another episode. This has been the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Uh, We out.